Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. <laughs> well, here we are, take two. Um, little, you know, technology difficulties there. Always a thing, it seems like. But anyways, so happy to be here with my guests today, Margaret and Tasha. So these two ladies are incredible. Met them last year, again, during a very big, deep winter. I, as soon as I met them, I wanted to have them on the podcast. And we were just too busy, too busy having too much fun. And then just summer things happened. All of a sudden, it was just into that next season. So it only seems appropriate to have them back on now. And we're not having a great start to winter here in Tahoe. I don't think anywhere really on the West is. So it was, you know, Beautiful timing for us to all be here and have the time to get together, but we're really dying for for some good snow. But I met these amazing ladies during a motorized level one avalanche course, and we've talked about on the podcast a lot how just when a group of women gets together in certain environments, well, in a lot of environments, learning environments, retreats, things like that, uh, group rides, whatever it is, just amazing shit happens. And when your instructors are also the women teaching it and you're adding in motorized two-stroke, because it adds just another (laughs) rung on the ladder of absolute radness that I just, I cannot wait to hear from these ladies and to share their stories of how they got to where they are in these industries that are very male dominated, um, what they're doing today, how they're just continuing to spread education and what they do outside of this world of um, avalanche education, because, you know, that's obviously pretty seasonal. So I'll give these two ladies, Tasha and Margaret, the chance to introduce themselves, let them let everyone know where they are in the world and, um, and yeah, what they're up to. So, uh, Tasha, do you want to take it away first? Sure. Um, <laughs> so yes. Hi, my name's Tasha Thomas. That's me. Um, all day, every day. Uh, I, I, uh, I grew up on the East coast and was pretty outdoors, like oriented kid. Mom's always telling me, get off the roof, get out of the tree, like just that kind of kid. And went away to college, started rock climbing. And that just kind of became my world. Um, always really loved like motors and that kind of stuff. My dad was a classic car guy. I have inherited his amazing classic car and I love it. Um, But just aside from all of that, just really enjoyed being a tomboy and doing all the tomboy kind of things. Ah, my screensaver went on again. (laughs) Okay, I can see everybody. I mean, my screensaver is snow, so I'm super excited to see my screensaver. But screensaver I'll, comes on, you're like, yes! <laughs> I catch myself just watching it. It's like over, it's yes. like a winter scene over Yosemite, and I absolutely love it. But oh, man. Um, yeah, undergrad, I was a fisheries major, didn't get a job in that, moved to the Adirondacks, loved living up there. Like I was ice climbing, rock climbing, snowboarding, all the things, dirt biking. 
And then um, when I turned 30, I needed a change. So I'm like, you know what? I'm moving out west. I'm done with the East Coast. So I moved out to California, uh, got into snowmobiling, met my husband. He's like the other P to the pod, the two of us. And yeah, we just, we race bikes professionally now. And I got my master's degree, started teaching as an elementary school teacher here in South Lake Tahoe. I'm a physical education teacher. Um, But when I got my first snowmobile in 2010, maybe, um, I, I fell in love. I was like instantly hooked. It was super hard for me. I had like, it was a summit skidoo And it took me like a football field just to turn the thing around. They like didn't turn. It had a seat that was like the size of a couch. Um, But I I took a motorized level one class and I met this very amazing human being named Travis Feist. And he kind of took me under his wing. I, I just, I fell in love with the whole avalanche industry um, and what it stood for and what it meant and, and the education behind it. Uh, so I started slowly like going through the lat, like climbing the ladder, going through all the classes. Um, and then I, I meet this beautiful, amazing woman, Margaret, just this like shining light in my world now (laughs) on my pro one up in Wyoming. And I like pull my sled out of the back of my truck and she comes over and she's like, yeah, those things are cool. I gotta get one. (laughs) Those things are cool. (laughs) And then she calls me like a month later and well, like I meet Margaret and we like hit it off. I'm like, okay, this girl's my friend. Like we're, we're buds now. And we stayed in touch. She calls me. She's like, guess what I just did? I'm like, what? She's like, I got a sled. I was like, yes. <laughs> the stars have aligned. It's coming together. And it's all coming together. Yeah. So Margaret has been this amazing, like, beam of light inspiration in my world, too, with my avalanche education and, like, where I'm going with it. And you know, someday to just know all the ins and outs like Margaret does. And I look up to you, Margaret, truth be told. I'm blushing. Um, I turned my camera off and it's not helping. I'm still blushing. (laughs) (laughs) We can see you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I love it. And I've actually, so I've been coaching mountain biking for over a decade now and I started coaching women only classes and I like, I, I noticed like I would ride with other gals and, and a lot of times I'd ride with the boys cause they would just push you harder. And you know, you're, you're not going to be as emotional with the guys. You're going to kind of suck it up a little bit cause you want them to invite you back. Um, so I started these ladies only mountain bike classes and the amazing thing was just seeing like the camaraderie and the support with women and how they just would cheer each other on. And I'm like, this is so successful over here. Like I love snowmobiling and I think I might love it more than mountain biking because the (laughs) challenge is so much higher. Like the learning curve 
like for me, I get on a bike and I can ride it. But like the snowmobile is like five times my weight. It doesn't weigh less than me like the mountain bike. So the learning curve with that was so much greater for me. And I'm still working on things. But just to get a bunch of women together in that whole realm and and have them support one another and have them cheer each other on and like the friendships that develop from it is is amazing. Um, and that's something that like it really it really speaks to my heart and makes me very, very happy. So, you know, continuing continuing that path is definitely something that I want to do. And, and it's kind of already laid out this winter and, you know, next winter, possibly going to Alaska to do a ladies only motorized, yes, motorized um, class. So, you know, the opportunities, the women getting in, getting into the sport, it's awesome. It, it's really awesome. And I love seeing it. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, look at, I've got two new people in my world that would not have, it's you both that would not have been here if it weren't for the snow and a two stroke engine. So yeah. Or motor. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, got Tasha. It. Amazing. And uh, yeah, like you said, just two stroke bringing us together. It's amazing. Um, Margaret. What about you? Where are you at in the world? Give us your little down low here. Okay. So I am, um, I currently live in Idaho, in Ketchum, Idaho, which is the same thing as Sun Valley, even though it's confusing. It's the same. Um, And have been there for about seven years. And um, before that was in the Seattle area for 20. Um, Interestingly enough, I also hail from the Northeast as does Tasha. Um, Yes, I grew up in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, I just had a moment of regret that um, Tasha, you and I didn't meet when we were both like 10, because that would have been (laughs) epic. (laughs) I spent so much time up there. So much time. (laughs) In in like, uh, like Whitehorse Ledge and Cathedral. Yeah, I was, I was there a ton. Oh my God. We were, it's crazy. Maybe we were even touching the same chunk of granite roughly around the same time. Cause I also learned to, to rock climb there and it kind of rocked my world. No pun intended. Yeah. But it. Um, <laughs> yes. So I grew up there and then uh, I watched too many ski flicks while it was raining in the winters in New England, which led me eventually to move to Washington state, ostensibly for graduate school, but really because of the Cascades. Let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But I, um, but I, I, so I was in Washington and I was in engineering school, which is only important in terms of how it figures into avalanche education. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, in the process of being in engineering school, then I got exposed to um, mountain guiding. Um, there is an important piece of this picture, which is in between those two things, I was a ski bum in France. And that had a lot to do with my ending up in Washington state specifically um, because I met, I had the fortune of meeting and rooming with this woman, uh, Hillary Nelson. Uh, wow. And so she was totally, I like tracked her down across the ski area because I could tell she was female and I could tell she was from North America. 
and um, like literally basically pointed it to get on the chairlift with her. And we ended up living together that winter and it changed my life. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> totally. So yeah. So I like that um, had a lot to do with things that flowed after, which is sort of the places that I went to, the places that I connected and the people I connected with when I moved to Washington state. Um, and so that was pro guiding service and Martin Vulcan, the Swiss owner of that business and Scott Shell, one of his employees and um, Martin and Scott are still dear, uh, <laughs> dear friends. And we're, we're currently rewriting the backcountry skiing book, which is another fun side note. Um, but I'm not allowed to put anything about snowmobiling into it, which is, uh, I know. I think I made it gets mentioned in the intro. Um, but the reason why this is important for avalanche education is that I think I came into it from it's like when you look back, you see all these threads that sort of weave together. Like when we were in France, our avalanche safety measures were I bought an F1 focus used from somebody and then learned how to use it in the pouring rain in a field. But really, we just waited until other folks that were um, that that were well. You could put it different ways. We waited for other people to ski things. Mm -hmm. We'd wait three days and then we'd drop in. And um, early that you know in that environment early on, there was a couple of situations where we were going to drop in and somebody skunked us and they triggered an avalanche and we didn't. And so I share that because it's interesting to look back as to how you come into something and like mm -hmm. all of those experiences they weave together um and so then to like sort of fast forward now I'm in mechanical engineering school in Washington state and I learn about mountain guiding and I'm like well now I know what I need to do with my life and so that's a bit of a fast forward to make that happen right years go by uh I work as an engineer for part of the time and then I go through um uh, AMGA training to become a mountain guide. And interestingly enough, my journey into avalanche education, like it started <laughs> first by not having avalanche education, i.e. Mm -hmm. being a ski bum <laughs> in a really dangerous environment. Um, and then it also, one of the major contact points was, was uh, taking the avalanche education. Um, and it's interesting, Tasha, to hear you say like, and then I took a moto level one and and so I took a level one and a level two in Washington state. And then to be a guide, you have to take a level three. And then somewhere in there, I sort of spit out the other side of it. And now I'm a trained guide and um, I am operating in uh, the backcountry all the time and um, had a couple of close calls as a freshly minted overconfident uh, uh, mountain guide that really kind of impacted into my, into my, um, consciousness and my awareness of consequences, which probably were like a decade into since I first got that F1 focus in France. And I think it took 10 years for me to actually have contact with consequences, which is another, story, wow. another interesting factoid. Yeah. There were, there were with myself directly where we, mm -hmm. um, we were really close, uh, to some avalanches and a snowshoer followed us up and she was caught and killed. Um, oh God. Oh no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so we were, um, this was a situation that ends up in, you know, the debrief is people shouting at each other. This woman, was, like it was, it was awful. And to this day, I do that as a case study for guides courses. And I usually start crying. Basically. Yeah. 
yeah, like it's powerful. And so, but it took a long time for those consequences to actually like kind of come home mm -hmm. to, to like make it into my mind and make it into my heart. It took that long because of all the reasons mm -hmm. that we can talk about later. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so, so that's how I came into avalanche education. And then a funny thing happened where shifting from receiving the education into teaching, um, I think I can blame engineering school because at some point someone asked me to teach um, temperature gradient and um, for a level two class. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but so funny thing is that since I didn't actually belong in engineering school, shh, don't tell, I can sort of translate <laughs> technical language into less technical language. Now there's mm. people who know me are probably spitting out their beer right now because <laughs> I still talk like a total nerd. But but if I really put my mind to it, I can like sort of boil things down in a way that helps folks. And the temperature gradient is one of those things in avalanche education that is like a useless distraction. And if people are already overwhelmed by what to care about and what not to care about, then diving into technical rabbit holes is a great way to just lose everybody. Um, <laughs> and, and so, so, so that's how I kind of came into teaching. And, and at that time um, it was um, the beginnings of doing instructor training courses. And, and then there's a long period of um, uh, learning a lot about what um how to tell the difference between what you think you're supposed to convey to people and what what they actually are need or want. Mm -hmm. I don't know. As an educator, I'm seeing Tasha's nodding because there's like there's all these terrifying gaps when you teach. And one of them is like, do people even care? So mm -hmm. are you teaching something that they think they want to learn? The other terrifying gap is based on what you're saying, what is everyone actually learning? So mm -hmm. there's two like chasms that are you stare down daily when you're teaching folks depending on who your audience is um and so to fast forward i got so sucked into the challenge of educating and ironically the science background um came into play not because of the usefulness of understanding temperature gradients but because of recognizing that that is a distraction, but is yet valued. Like talking smart is valued. Knowing the shit is valued. Technical jargon is valued, but also detested. And so, but what I ended up navigating out of that was the sort of behavioral side, like why people do what they do, especially with regards to risk. Um, and I do think that my science background had something to do with that because I was like, well, you know, the, the logical stuff isn't what's getting people killed in avalanches. Mm -hmm. It's not because they don't understand snow science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're humans and you can't leave the humans behind. So then fast forward, now I do the thing. So I teach recreational courses and I teach level threes and then they became pro ones and pro twos. And it's all sort of, yeah, that's cool. That's great. You learn a lot of things. And then at some point I touched the handlebars of a snowmobile, which was about the same week that I met Tasha. <laughs> because it was, it was a togety. And I had just doubled literally from the lodge to the cabins. And I was like, 
I must have one of these. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have that power for sure. Get you hooked. And that was like, I'm getting one. I'm getting one of these totally. Yeah. And so, um, so I, this is going on long. I'm going to try One of the other things that happened is that I was constantly as a guide, as a, in engineering school, I was constantly one, one of, or the only, uh, woman in the room, so mm -hmm. to speak, whether it was a classroom, a skin track, uh, et cetera. And at some point, um, in there, I noticed that there was a thing where people cared a lot about what your gender was and the avalanches didn't really distinguish. Um, and I, the first talk I ever gave was called backcountry skiing and gender. And it was like me mm. being like, yeah, I've been told a bunch of shit about how women act in the backcountry, And I, I'm not really sure I'd buy any of it. And in fact, anything <laughs> that the white dudes have writ written about avalanche behavior is not necessarily I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. And that, that also was a thread. Like I literally had read two different quotes from two, from Bruce Tremper and from Ian McCammon. And they said opposite things about women and men in the backcountry. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and then like 15 years go by of being the only female. And I went from thinking it was awesome because it makes me really cool. You get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And then um, interestingly enough, I went on some expeditions with Hillary and a woman named Kasha Rigby and Melissa McManus. And for the first time ever, I was like, oh, oh yeah, this is, this is like, this is way better. <laughs> and I had that experience and I was a tomboy as well. And I all like was never comfortable with groups of women and that cracked open my world. And then, and yet I continued to sort of thrive on the positive attention of being, I called it the only girl at the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's, if it's a ratio of one to 27, you get a lot of attention. But after a while, you're like, why aren't there any other women at this point? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? What's going on? So um, so that, that has begun to stitch together watching who is on the inside and who is on the outside of any group and noticing that women are often on the outside if it's a mixed gender group when there's only one of us mm -hmm. um, noticing the version of myself that shows up uh, in all women's groups um, versus the much more guarded version of me. Um, and like, make no mistake, I, I spent like 30 years being like, oh, you think you can drop me? Watch this. And that was Guess fun. Again. Yeah, Guess yeah. again. That was super Guess fun and motivating. Again. And then I was kind of like, well, I can do that with my female friends too. And it's yeah. actually way more fun <laughs> because we're still going like, oh yeah, you think you can drop me? Yes. <laughs> so um, those things began to really weave together. And then, um, so the snowmobile, me touching the handles of a snowmobile, that was 2018. That was December of 2018. Um, or sorry, 2019, excuse me. And then... Um, I got my first sled basically in 2020. Awesome. <laughs> and, and she went all in. Yeah. <laughs> all in. Well, I asked Travis, I said, Hey, Travis, I need your advice. And I asked my snowmobiling friends in Idaho and I said, what should I do? And they said, you should buy a new snowmobile. You know, you can finance them and then you have mm -hmm. the warranty and you don't have to spend all your time fixing your new snowmobile. And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a major key into a lot of this. And people, you know, there obviously is a huge uh, financial investment into this sport and into a lot of winter sports even if you think about just like the cost of skis or passes or getting to the mountain because not everyone lives 15 minutes away from a resort like i'm from the northwest um i lived in tacoma we had to drive you know hours to the mountain that in itself time and money there so lots of people put investments into snow sports in other ways but with snowmobiling or dirt biking, even you're looking at a machine, right? That and the cost of them now is a lot higher than it was with the crazy like technologies of these machines. But a lot of people, yeah, they look at us each year with like my boyfriend Andrew, who's getting in, you know, snow checking a new snowmobile. And if you're not, if you're on the outside, you're like, how does that happen? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's the same exact payment as that 2019 was of that 2020, the 2021. <laughs> the payment stays the same. It's like that quote from uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> like, <laughs> I keep getting older and they stay they the same, same age. age. <laughs> the same. Yeah. Like payment stays the same. The snowmobile's newer. Um, so financing, but obviously there's other things that go into financing and being able to afford a monthly payment or whatnot, but it's not mm-hmm. always a, a tens of thousands of dollars or whatever payment chunk out of your pocket right away and and the way a lot of us get into this sport these days is the financing and I think that actually makes it accessible to a lot more people because even buying a used snowmobile is a huge huge investment um even mountain bikes these days you know thousands of thousands of dollars so it's a catch-22. Our world is all about financing these days, and it gets you in a lot of other trouble. But at the same time, it allows you to do things that you like. There's plenty of things I wouldn't have. I couldn't get my first mountain bike without financing it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a top of the end or whatever top of the line mountain bike. So I have a love and a hate for those things. But it is like, especially for snowmobiling, the way that many people can't afford to get into it. So just a little tidbit for some of you out there who are interested mm-hmm. in the sport and you're looking at that price tag, like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> like, Pretty much. This, yeah. is, this is kind of the trade secret um, of how you can make it happen. Give it a try for a year. And, you know, then you obviously have to try to sell your machine or whatever. But um, but yeah, that's. I love that you got into it more recently too. And, and you're just full force into it. I'm like totally hooked. And it's so, um, I mean, there's like, I'm at risk of being the, like <laughs> the non-original ranter about snowmobiling. Like, Oh my God, it's so fun. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's quality, quality of life. Yes. Quality of life. life. But um, so if I can be specific, what has been amazing about it is, well, you pull the throttle. No. So uh, <laughs> um, what I have done has been to, um, so the other situation is that I have um, uh, two kids, two mm-hmm. girls who are seven and nine, and I um, completely underestimated having two children, <laughs> like totally underestimated. And, and I, by that, I mean, like, the bandwidth like you think about time and you think about lifestyle and you think about money but I kind of I was like ah I got a lot of energy um (laughs) but but I ran I like rode myself into the ground after the birth of my second child because I kept doing all the same shit and then Mm -hmm. uh there's a pretty major period of error correction there um but the reason why that's important is that I don't have 
that much time. Mm -hmm. So what I have done is I have mostly um, uh, progressed in snowmobiling by learning in clinics. In other words, I like my like F1 focus story as a ski bum in Chamonix, there's like none of that shit. I was like, I'm going to develop no bad habits if I can help it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to seek out people who are going to teach me how to do this. And that has been the coolest thing as an educator to be a student of that and to mm -hmm. learn from people who are so talented in creating a progression mm -hmm. where you like thrive at each step and watching what your own brain chemicals when you're thriving. And I know Tasha, you coach mountain biking like this is, you know, this, and I have spent my entire life as an educator being like, right. So here's this really high standard and there's a bunch of shit you got to do to get there. So good luck. Let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as it's your lead. Don't fuck this up. Right. Like, and so yeah, learning to snowmobile, I don't have time to do mm -hmm. that which has been amazing. And so riding skills clinics with Matt Entz down in Southport, Colorado, uh, with folks locally um, that work for Rasmussen or folks, there's this woman, Lisa Grandin, that's where I live. And so whoever it has been, I essentially wouldn't try something until I tried it in a clinic. Mm -hmm. And watching that sort of um, compress my, uh, A, compress the, the amount of like time that it takes to figure the shit out, but be like, I have a different way of thinking about how I want to teach. Like I now understand like, oh yeah, if you got fear chemicals in your brain, you're not learning, right. you're surviving. And if you get you're like, surviving. Yeah. you get joy chemicals in your brain and you are learning things like, it's yeah, fun. so, and that's from snowman. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's after like freaking decades. Yeah. Of like, of being in a learning and educating role. I love that because I feel like we've talked about, we talked about in a course, right? And I think in a lot of women's courses, the subject is brought up of how and why it's so important for all women to gather is because they're literally, for most people, there are people who are very just outspoken and, and will say what they want when they want all the time. But for a lot of women, if you're the one or two women, whatever, in a group um, and you're learning also, you're less likely to ask the questions because you're afraid it sounds stupid and you're not thinking about the fact that, hey, we're all in this course together. So these nine guys may know less than I know. You just automatically think, oh, they already know or they would never ask that. Mm -hmm. And you don't ask the questions. And I feel like for women a lot of times and in our society still to this day, hopefully we're growing out of it. But like in our times of growing up that it was we weren't really taught to ask all the questions. And so it takes a while to get to the point in life where you just realize I don't have time to not ask the questions. Nice. And I realized that when yes. I was working on a boat in Alaska and I was just like, dude, I have so many questions all the fucking time. I'm like, I have to ask, how does this work? What does this do? Because I don't have time to figure it out. Like we are working on an 80 foot boat with a crane operating and boats pulling up to us, all these moving parts. Like I can't just figure it out. A lot of things depend on it. I have to ask like what happens. And like when you just want to ask and when you can just ask the questions and cut to the chase, you you're yeah you're just not wasting time and it can be an ego thing too because for me sometimes I don't like to ask I want to figure it out myself right 
But that's why I always say too, I tend to work harder, not smarter, because a lot of times because of my ego or whatever, I don't ask questions. I don't ask for help. I just try to figure it out myself. But when you're in those situations that you realize time is of the essence, then you're going (laughs) to just like cut to the chase by like taking courses, taking, doing clinics, like whatever it is, learning from the people who know the shit instead of just being out there, especially when it comes to something like snowmobiling where, yeah, that how time consuming to go out and you can't go out alone. I mean, you can, but like, that's not, (laughs) not safe. Even if you're just going out to the meadow by yourself, like if I were to ride down my road into this meadow right here, a half mile from my house, I'm not going to have fun by myself. If that thing even just tips over on the side, (laughs) you know, I I don't even want to risk it. Like I'll ride (laughs) the road to my friend's house, (laughs) but I'm like, um like yeah sure I'll cut through the meadow maybe but damn if I'm stuck I'm on the radio like hey Tess um so I'm down the hill from your house and I'm stuck so how would you get down here now and help me lift (laughs) this thing back up like there's just some things that yeah have more consequence doing by yourself even in the lowest consequence of situations Um, and it just turns it to no fun at all but yeah being out there with people who know what they're doing and can help you kind of you're not cutting corners. You're just learning faster. You're, you're taking out the process of, um, just all the hard work on your own. Yeah. It's yeah. Bad. My <laughs> biggest injury was in a meadow. Really? Hell yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly enough on the snowmobile. Yep. Well, Compound fractured my arm and the sled oh. was, I was like mouse trapped under the sled. Under the and sled. this is yeah, on like, a golf course. Yeah, but flat the flat, the, 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 the flat wow. doesn't change the fact that you yep. have a 500 pound machine with like mm-hmm. a tread and yep, yeah, physics is not in your favor. Arm but. was just like broken. I was like, oh. my arm's really broken. My husband's like, stop playing with it. <laughs> <laughs> See how much more you can break off of there. Oh my God. Well, that's talked about a lot too. It's like, um, in those times that you're complacent, really, you're not paying attention, right? That you get hurt in the dumbest ways. You know, I fall mm-hmm. down my stairs more than I'm like <laughs> mm-hmm. crashing a mountain yeah. bike or something. And actually, just before I got on here, I was at an avalanche awareness, um, little chat gathering at Truckee Brewing Company. Uh, Duncan Lee was nice. doing Duncan. the chat, yeah, awesome. So, Duncan, yeah, yep, I saw <laughs> your sticker, done? Tasha Wheelie. Time, I was like, yep, that was the last slide he put up. Um, I was almost gonna record oh, in the office above the brewery, but the, the talk ended earlier than I thought it would, so I was able to get home in time, but um, nice. but it just it reminded me, he shared a story tonight about like a friend who broke her ankle mountain biking in like she left the truck 15 minutes later got a flat got another flat was not just feeling in her body at all but hit jumps anyway and was like okay that worked whatever did it again but ended up breaking her ankle and because you're pushing down these feelings of like she knew from the very first flat that like "Ah, i'm off today and we start to ignore these things and push ourselves through them um but that's when we get hurt and that's when we get hurt again like okay yeah it's just a meadow or or whatever and it's an interesting place to be because I feel like you don't want to be you don't want to take all the fun out of it and feel like oh you're (laughs) you're like have this fear that you're going to get hurt anytime you do something even if it's simple but you just have to I don't know just be aware of Mm. consequences always the universe (laughs) the universe sends out vibes and yep 
if you can't recognize them, it's, it's not going to be a good day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly. a strong believer. Like, yeah. totally. <laughs> and, and that gets hard too. So that's another reason I do really like riding with women in any sport because we're less afraid to talk about this stuff, especially mm-hmm. with each other. And if like one person says like, yeah, my energy's off, it kind of like can be that domino effect of like either that uh, another person's admitting it or you're just like, hey, that's cool. If your energy's off, like, well, I don't then want to be stuck with like trying to get your injured self out either. Like that's going to put me in danger too. So let's change our, um, let's change our plan. Let's change it all our approach and or whatever we need to do. And also, again, that just comes to being able to speak up and being comfortable Mm -hmm. speaking up in your group. And I think if just, yeah, getting together with ladies and kind of getting more comfortable, if that's what it takes, is like going out with groups of women and whatever you're doing to get comfortable with speaking up and then hopefully carrying that into whoever your partners are. Because we all still ride with men and plenty of men. But I think that I definitely can find my voice in any situation now because of being in groups of women and I was the token girl in a lot of things I grew up wrestling like in the 90s so nice. like I grew up in a Sweet. sport that awesome. there's no women around and I yeah I got all the attention that's for sure especially when I was like quite literally beating guys asses <laughs> I, I got a lot of attention that's so rad. <laughs> it was just like man I I didn't care about other women. I had girlfriends, but I wasn't like rooting for all the girls because I wanted to kick their ass and I didn't want to lose to a girl. And again, in every one of these male dominated industries, like racing bikes or skiing, ski racing, whatever it is, like if there's another girl, you're like, oh, I don't want to lose to her. And then finally you get in these situations like, wait, like Margaret, you said the energy was so actually different. It wasn't competitive. It was like, this is a lot of fun (laughs) and now that's like where all my passion lies because I had so much support as a woman in a male-dominated sport and I know a lot of women didn't that I'm like yeah I need like women have to be exposed to these things like you Mm -hmm. have to do these group rides if you've never done a women's only clinic retreat or anything like you gotta try it It is there's just something about it and I just that's why I'm so happy that you ladies are doing things like teaching these courses to provide that space for women who have never had the chance to feel comfortable speaking up, especially like I said, in avalanche train or whatever. They're like, yeah. if they're with their boyfriend, husband or something, they may not say, Hey, I don't feel like that comfortable going out there. Yeah. And yeah. now yeah. maybe they can. The, the dude is, typically like like oh well I mean I know for me it would be like well fine you don't feel comfortable then you could stay home yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take you or yeah or there's just that feeling of like not feeling supported and our our male counterparts like partners whatever um they support us but sometimes they they don't want to support us and I think it's I, I fully understand that and I completely get it, but having <clears throat> the females around really makes it like, just kind of solidifies that you've got another person just like you mm-hmm. who is 
trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And is going to support you no matter what. Um, and, you know, for me, like I, I didn't find myself spending much time with females. I have like a few really good friends when I was in high school and college and like really bonded with them. But majority of my friends were men. I was a fisheries and aquaculture major. Like I was out on the fishing boat (laughs) and I was the one girl with like 10 dudes and we were like working on engines and this, that was, that was what I did, Mm -hmm. you know? And then mountain biking, when I started mountain biking, when I moved to Tahoe, it was my husband and all of his buddies. Um, And it wasn't until, it wasn't until I was like, I was pushing myself to ride their pace to stay with them. And then one of them was like, well, you should go race. So that's when I started meeting more women. And that's when I was like, dang, this is really cool. Like these chicks are just like me and they're like, they're badass, and we support each other and we push each other. Mm-hmm. And some of us are willing to push more than others and that's okay. And the ones that aren't willing to, or, or are willing to push support the ones that aren't willing to push. So it's this, <clears throat> it's it, like we level everybody, everybody levels off and it's mm-hmm. like, it becomes a really nice mixed pod. And yeah, just the more time I spend with women in the field, it's, it's super fun. Yeah. It's very interesting side though, which is a little hard for me sometimes, but but <laughs> well, and, and it's I'll so admit. interesting. Like, I love talking to you both about it because you can, even with the three of us, mm-hmm. a lot that we have shared in terms mm-hmm. of our experiences. And what I have noticed, like, I tried to start women's programming in Washington, and it was like half the women were worried that it was going to be too hard, and half the women were worried yes. it wasn't hard enough. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 So you're like damned if you do and damned if you don't. And like that has evolved. And then you get the question of like, what, why are they different? Why are women's, what are they like? What's, and one of the coolest things that I've noticed of late is that there's actually like, there's a, there's a shit ton of different answers to that question. Mm -hmm. And the unified answer is like the sort of like comes with the giggle, which is like, this is really freaking fun. Like, and then behind that is like, uh, for some women, the amount of bandwidth, mental and physical, uh, that's devoted to either fitting in or keeping up, um, socially or otherwise is like, no wonder you can't learn anything. No wonder you're not, you don't have the bandwidth. If you're not part of the in crowd, Mm -hmm. you're working so hard to present as being part of the in crowd, whatever that means. Yeah. That a whole chunk of your brain is busy doing other shit. Yep. Yeah, Like you want to talk about totally. distraction and injury and you mm-hmm. want to talk about like joy versus fear. And so then for other women, they are like, they thrive on like fighting their way into the in crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like ding. Yeah. <laughs> but not everyone is like that. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's the only way to join the crowd, then it's always going to be one or two of us, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so I started realizing like, oh yeah, no, that is great for my ego, but it's not really great for anything other than my ego. Mm-hmm. And then learning, like, for some people, just like the fear that they aren't going to be fill in the blank enough. Again, boom, there goes the bandwidth. And so when you remove that shit, when group, like groups of, of women get together and they, like, you can see it sort of like 
falling off the back of the snowmobile, right? It's like yeah. when people realize yeah. that they don't have to like devote mental energy to that. Mm -hmm. Their riding like transforms and yeah. they're right. You go mm -hmm. into the joy space and now you're doing things, not that you're like given her, not that you're like, oh, it's a group of women. So we're going to fill in the blank with what you expect. Mm -hmm. None of that. It all just sort of like goes away. And it only comes back when some hapless dude rides up and says hello. And then you can feel everybody just like, yeah. <laughs> everyone just stops. What are you doing? Just having lunch. Or you're like you've got a panel off and you're fixing yeah. some shit. And then like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, like, good. You've, you've got this because I can't help no. you. You're like, hands up. Get, 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 give me that back. Get so whatever the version of that is, what falls away, because it is different for everyone mm -hmm. and there is no one experience, right? Um, but when it's gone, your brain is like, I'm sort of like, God, oh, that's what it is. Your brain is just free yeah. to do more. Absolutely. Yes. I will say 100%. <laughs> I feel like my writing transformed after that weekend. And my writing for like the few years prior was pretty far and few between because of just having to load sleds up, go somewhere, go somewhere that I could ride. And I'd yeah. be always riding with Andrew. And now where we live, like we can literally sled from the house. And I have my friend Tess who also took the course. You guys know Yay! Tess, um, yes. who's, you know, right across from me. And we can just meet at the meadow and go out together. And I can go out for just one hour or two hours before work oh, without so this good. whole process of loading the sleds getting out here going there and by the time you get out you're like oh, I have 45 so awesome. minutes to ride Ugh. so that helped a lot with things but also just I mean I showed up to that course also being afraid like you said Margaret where people have that fear is like is it going to be too hard too easy I'm just like everyone here knows 500 times more than I do like I don't know what I'm doing here I shouldn't be here I don't think because I'd never ridden my snowmobile without Andrew, like before right. that point. Totally. So yep. here I am with his truck, his sled deck, his sled, loading it and unloading it, unloading and loading Tess's. And Ooh. like, and then my sled didn't start after I got it off the sled deck. So instantly uh -huh. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> like, this is the worst situation. I don't know what the fuck to do. I don't know how to fix this. Like, if you don't know how to tear this thing apart and put it back together, maybe you shouldn't be writing one. Just all these thoughts going through my head. And then, you know, uh, a friend of Andrew's happened to be there because his wife, Emily, was taking the course and they're like offering a snowmobile, but it's a turbo and a skidoo. And I'm like, I can't ride that. Like, I, can't I, don't ride ride. I, I barely want to ride Andrew's sled without him being there because I'm always afraid if something breaks. It's like, I did it. It's my fault, whatever. <laughs> totally. but, so I just started that whole weekend off with like, what the fuck am I actually doing here? And it didn't take long before it was like, okay. I'm comfortable. Like yeah. I know how to, I can move this thing how I need to for this course. And I can feel comfortable trying things that like I wouldn't, you know, I got a big stuck, but it was also the first time of actually, I almost didn't go up that magical hill at first because again, I'm like, well, Andrew's not here to help me get out. Yeah. And now I have to put this on someone else. I'm okay with putting anything on him, but I'm not yeah. okay with having to ask all these people I don't even know to help me get unstuck. You know, just the feeling of, yeah, not feeling enough, not good enough, not smart enough, whatever it is that mm -hmm. prevents enough people to even take a course. It's a level yeah. one and you can put like women get those feelings of not being ready or prepared for it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, 
but how do you get those ladies in who are yeah. at there? Like, how do you break through that? And then how do you break through the barrier too of the women who are like, is it going to be enough? Like, I know too much. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, there's, you can't win them all. There's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be perfect uh, for everybody, but so just having the women around the sport of women and no one giving a second thought about any issues I had, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, like, we're good. Yeah. We're good. It's I just didn't what feel we this. do. We yeah, just, yeah, we're here to help. And you know, honestly, yeah. I don't think it's not necessarily like only a women's thing, um, especially in these situations there that I had no control over my snowmobile deciding right. to not start. Right. Totally. If I were out there with Andrew and his buddies, like it would have been the same thing. Everyone's just trying to fix it and troubleshoot yeah. it. And then it's like, hey, shit happens. You know, we're here for it. So just taking some pressure off yourselves at time. But I think it's a lot easier to take pressure off yourself when there's women around and if you break down in tears you're not gonna feel like a big baby really you're gonna get mm-hmm. someone who understands like it's okay totally like, our emotions They're not are freaked on out our by tears. yeah exactly like well and it's, it's okay to cry in your goggles yeah totally <laughs> who's gonna fog them up yep exactly okay. you got but... extra pair extra lens at least something yeah well and but... you just you watch people stop wondering if x y or z is true because of their gender mm-hmm. yeah and you realize like how fucked up it is that it's special that any woman does any of the sports right like, that is <laughs> deeply deeply fucked yeah let's just say that out loud because that has everything to do with what everyone is told and i saw this ski movie that's called advice for girls if there's ah. skiers out there oh and they just say the things out loud and it was just what was it somebody said it was like the narratives that we've grown up with are they're just not serving us yeah and i was like oh my god there it is right there because and you in these groups of women everybody's like you start to realize like oh we'll figure it out like no we're, we good we good we got yeah. like 12 yeah. of us mm-hmm. people have mad skills and you watch people stop being afraid that 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 something they're doing is because they're female yeah whether it's they got stuck or they like didn't totally. to take the panel off their sled mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Cause they're hungry. Like in those groups, there is no like question or fear that X, Y, Z is because I'm female. And that I think is also super powerful because the rest of the world, the, like every other minute, if every other day, if you're an athlete there, that's constantly there, mm-hmm. whether it's like, are you the token female? So mm-hmm. are you only here because you check a box Yep. or did you do X because you're female and because, and so, um, are you crying because you're female or did you fall because yep. you're fe- like all that shit it's out there. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. go away. And, 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 it yeah. away, and it's but, empowering. Yeah. Yeah. So when it, when totally. it does disappear, it's really fun. Well, and it's like, like, that's just great to be in that environment where instead of thinking if something went wrong and you're with a group of women, you're not like, Oh, it happened. Cause I'm a girl. You're like, change that narrative like it happened because i'm a fucking beginner still like like, who didn't this happen to this (laughs) happened to probably everyone who started this sport i just didn't see it because i wasn't here for it and they're not talking about it so that i think is what the important part is too of just sharing more of the trials and the tribulations and the fails because in any new thing that you do you're putting so much pressure on yourself that you have to like be at this level right out of the gate and 
you just forget what it's like to be a beginner. And I struggle with that a lot. And again, it comes back to wrestling being the fact that I started that sport at a very young age. And so by the time I was in high school, whatever, like I just, I knew it. it was like the back of my hand, you know, that everything was natural and a lot of other sports were too. So then getting older and starting new sports like mountain biking, snowmobiling Aww. and being at the beginner stage. And like, I don't even know what this feels like. Cause I was eight, like when I was a beginner, you know, <laughs> like I literally like, don't remember. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. do not remember the beginner <laughs> stage. Everyone was a beginner when they were eight, like, <laughs> come on. So I have a really hard time myself with being at that stage and remembering that everybody went through this and everyone's learning curve is different, but yeah, but so much pressure on myself and I am lucky that Andrew is very supportive. And when I, when I'm out there with him and get frustrated and end up crying, cause I'm so mad because like something's happening. He's like, it's fine. You're still learning. Yeah. And that's a, that's huge for me to hear, but it's still hate it. Cause I'm like, well, I should not know by now. He's like, no, <laughs> you shouldn't. He's like, do you when know am how I going to get like, this? Yeah. He's like, you know how long it took me and you know, just having people to go out with again, with every sport that are better than you so that you can learn from them mm. is huge. But things like snowmobiling one, it's already a super, especially depending on where you live, like a super small group anyways so let alone like women and people who mm -hmm. are at your level right it's hard to find a group who wants to take you out especially with the winter like last year that we had in the west so good that you're like oh god yeah who so wants deep. to go out with me because I, it's gonna be stuck city all day you know and they just want to go have fun so it gets yeah just intimidating or in, in any sport that you want to to trying to find the people to go out with when you're newer oh newer in it but people who truly love whatever sport it is they want to share that love so they want to go out with you as a beginner um and they want to share their knowledge and they want to have more people to ride with too so mm -hmm. just got to put yourself yeah. out there but yeah it can be really hard to meet women in these in these sports mm -hmm. particularly too I feel like but yeah no and that, I and think those... too like oh go ahead Tess. oh go ahead no you go um, I think too, with like, you know, when, when it, it all like initiates and starts and comes together is like setting that precedence, like, Hey, we're all in this together. We're all here to help one another. Um, you know, like my, I'm just going to fall back on mountain biking right now. Cause I've done this for over a decade, Yeah, but the first hour of every ladies clinic I teach, we go over the bike, we go over simple maintenance mm -hmm. and I show them like exactly how to do it. Like, this is how we take care of our chain. This is, this is what this part is. This is how we take care of our suspension and how we clean it. And this is how we check our tire pressure. And this is what we need to look for. And, you know, just kind of like breaking it all down and all the women standing there and they're like, Oh my God, my husband always does this for me. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> So just enabling them with that knowledge, you know, and, and all I say to them, I'm like, you can bring your bike home and your husband can still be your mechanic or boyfriend or whoever, but I have now given you the tools to go forth with this. And if you choose to, you can take care of like, you can take the, take care of this. Mm -hmm. I build my own bikes. I don't, <laughs> I no longer buy full complete bikes. Right. I buy yeah. a frame. I buy all the parts. And I build that thing with my own hands and my tools. 
And I, I bring it to the mechanic to have the brakes bled. That's the only thing I don't do, but <laughs> I do everything else myself. Um, you know, and like the snowmobile, like, you know, I think in our, in our weekend we had, we did, we were doing belt deflection. No, <laughs> we changed some plugs. Yep. Yeah. Um, every time I do a thumbs up, I get a, a I little know, bubble. Is, yeah. Is, <laughs> if you do this, Where did it, go? it gives you balloons for victory. There. Let's see. If I, I know. I don't know what happened. There is several oh, gestures that surprisingly pop up. I'm like, what did that? <laughs> Stop it. Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I used to do this and it would like let fireworks would be behind my head. <laughs> I was on, I was so for some reason it was only happening when we were having um, like our committee meetings because I'm on the board of directors for the Sierra Avalanche Center and I would go like this and it like fireworks behind That's my hilarious. head. And the guys were like, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just agree. <laughs> thumbs up, um, double thumbs up. Thumbs up, it works. <laughs> but I think like, you know, with the snowmobile, it's the same thing. There's, mm-hmm. there's very simple things that we can check. Like, I check my oil and my fuel before I leave. Mikey mm-hmm. doesn't, my husband doesn't check that for me. He knows mm-hmm. that it's something I can do now. I like, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy taking the responsibility of it. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me feel like a more knowledgeable snowmobiler. You yeah. Know? And same thing with my dirt bike. Like I change my own, I clean my oil filters and I make a mess, but whatever. Like I've been taught how to do it. And it's something I really enjoy. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. I've mm-hmm. changed my own A-arms. I've changed my own spindles. Like there's a lot of stuff that I really enjoy like working on. And and I know there's tons of women out there that also enjoy it. It's just, we just need to be taught how to do it because mm-hmm. we don't know, you yeah. know, we're like kindergartners coming into it. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't know. So please teach me. I'm a sponge. And I, I learn. Yeah. I learn in that kinetic way for sure. Yeah. So yeah. even though like you might not think doing any of those things affects your writing, but it in my mind it does because just knowing that I can look at those things if something goes wrong and be able to diagnose a problem just gives me more confidence when I'm writing to know that hey, if something goes wrong, I can pull the panel off and look inside and and figure out what's going on. Can I fix it right there by myself in the field? Maybe not, but at least I know what's going on. And I think that with a lot of sports that that just, just helps your riding overall and helps you feel comfortable being out there. Like you can contribute to solving the problem rather than just Mm -hmm. standing by and waiting. Like we feel like we end up doing a lot sometimes when we don't know. And I also, that's just the way I learn is by knowing how everything works. It all feeds into each other. And I think a lot of women like have to ask the whys. Like um, Margaret, you mentioned early on about the quotes from the two men and being different and you know like avalanches have no gender like they don't care (laughs) this that and the other right and why people ask are like what do you learn in a women's only course that you can't learn here there and it's not just about (laughs) that but there is a difference in how we learn and there's always a rule or an exception to the rule but women do learn differently and and individuals do learn differently like I'm kinetic and analytical like I said I have to know why does this do this and then it will make sense yeah how do I remember how to spell a word um well if I know the meaning of it and all those things like a fucking spelling bee you know then I'm gonna remember it um but yeah so I just all those little things can add up and I would just say if anybody out there for any sport 
diving into those, the deeper things, like I said, that may not affect the physical part of the sport still might affect your confidence in performing. Yeah. It seems to be related Mm -hmm. to, yeah. Once you actually turn your machine on, it's like, cause the other thing you watch is what, um, what isn't said. And when somebody says something, how it's interpreted. So Mm -hmm. this is the thing that I'm just like, the number of times where I see the same piece of information presented from the in crowd to the crowd and how that's absorbed. And that same piece of information presented from someone from the out crowd, i.e. female in a mostly male group and how that information is processed. The role of somebody who backs you up and says, yeah, I think so too. It's called a first follower. I recently learned about this. If you're like, I don't know about this, or I'm going to ask a question about this. And then there's like the crickets. If someone else is like, Hey, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was curious about that too. Then all of a sudden the whole group norm shifts into investigating or listening versus like shut down and or yeah and yes I freaking yes. fascinating yeah. and so totally. I've seen that your first followers can be men or women right mm-hmm. you can have those but what you notice is that um, there's more of that in often in this different learning space that is all women and I just love that you said that you have to like touch the like I need to I like I'm like slapping people's hands away I think it was on our training day for this class. Oh yeah. Cause my belts were all fucked up and Duncan's in there and I'm like, give me my wrench back, point to the thing that I turn and then yeah. give me my wrench back. And I do think not because of Duncan, but because there's a feedback loop. If you're yeah. not in there touching the tools, you don't remember it mm-hmm. in the same mm-hmm. way. And if it's easier because it's faster to let someone else touch the tools, no matter how many times I am shown a thing, I now get to the point where if somebody does a demo, I'm like livid. I have to like do 10 deep breaths so that I don't breathe fire. And I'm like, cool. All what I just learned is that you know how to do that. Yeah. Dope. That's all I learned. <laughs> Give me the thing. Let me so do I it. I can now. do the thing. And yeah. Give at this me stage, the like, tools. in my life, I'm willing to be like, fuck it. I don't care. There's 55 mountain guides at the training. And once again, I'm going to be like, give me the rope. Yeah. And I don't care, even though I'm like, oh, well, she doesn't know it. And she's one of three women in this room. I don't give a shit anymore, but most people are not in that place. And I do still give a shit. I'm not entirely being truthful. Right. So there's all (laughs) these like insidious things and they all sort of weave together. And, and if you're looking for like a motivation to like figure out how to fix some basic shit, it means that you can find more writing partners. Yeah, because now you can go with other people who have the same, like you're saying with tests, you're like, now I have a writing partner. Mm-hmm. I don't need the offset mm-hmm. to rely on somebody else. Like you build up your skills. The like number one bonus is there's more folks that you might be able to ride with, which yeah. as you said, turn is like, is kind of a big deal. So it is, um, yeah. If somebody knows how to take the panel off, like if you know how to do, if you know how to change a spark plug, somebody in your group knows how to change a spark plug. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I Which mean, I learned from Tess. Side note. And yeah. You, so that's what I thought you were talking about. First <laughs> yes. you said um, in our training, I totally thought I had the vision because I have a picture of Tess in there in, like talking to you. Um, so I just had that. And so even with our clinic in the level one, simply actually being in the situation where I had to help get myself unstuck because yeah. a lot of times when we're out there with the guys, the point is like, we keep going, we keep going. So we're stuck. We don't even have to call them they're right there and they're just tipping it back up and they're doing it in their ways right which is a lot of 
wiggle and throttle and pin oh it it's and, the pin and wiggle yeah, and pin and, and wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. pin and wiggle and so but there's um, so much technique and I've learned how to get myself unstuck all by myself where I don't I don't thing. need someone yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and you might not I don't be always have to have my shovel out yeah <laughs> You might not be in everyone's view, like in an instant, right? You might just be just behind a tree. And so I'd rather have the opportunity to like try and get myself unstuck. And it was the course where I was really like learning different techniques because I wasn't learning before when they were just doing it. And God, is that nice? Like I'm not sweating my ass off and down to like my base layers or something. Fully redlined. Yeah. And then now I'm like, cool, I got to go home because I'm exhausted. I can't ride anymore. But, (laughs) um, but yeah, I have to learn different ways that I can get my machine out because your technique guys like isn't always going to work for me or especially in a a situation of um like I've been in a situation when Tess and I went out by ourselves for our first like solo ride and we were in a lot of trees and there's a creek and we're like this is a no consequence zone and so like what happens if we get stuck and if we have to pin and wiggle it we're pinning it right into that fucking tree or creek (laughs) so that's not gonna work for us right now so we gotta work together here to like to figure this out a different way than how these guys would do it mm-hmm. um especially just knowing yourself in certain situations i know when there's like no room for error all i'm thinking about is the error thus yep. that might yep. happen like or is yep. likely yep. to yep. happen if all you're thinking about is falling you're probably gonna fall yep. um so i already know how i am in those situations that i was like yep nope we gotta try something else <laughs> but yeah it's totally. um it's it's just a different environment being able to learn in different ways is and the ways that work for you I think is the most important thing and you know it's not always just all women for everybody that's going to be the answer but I sure think it helps a lot because of the way we all learn and so just as the humans that we are like in our physical being of being women we have things that we can relate to that we just cannot with men it's just it just is like the simple fact of like who has a tampon like (laughs) you know it just comes down to basic basic things that you can make great fire starters yeah totally soak them in flight or fluid there one of the other things right in the gas tank right right in the gas gas tank boom One of the things that I've noticed every single women's program is there's like, whether it is a level one or a movement skills, there is some woman on the program or several who fucking shred. And so then what it does is it pushes the horizon back for Mm -hmm. how everyone sees themselves. That's a thing. When you see someone who is female, because you're so used to seeing the best rider, the best, this, the most technical, that as being male. Yeah. And it just mm-hmm. seeps into your consciousness. And after a while you're unloading and there's a woman who's like super stressed because she doesn't usually unload her sled. And mm-hmm. then there's a woman who's like fully just unloads off the like highest sled deck. Right. And everybody's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. and the, the woman who's like, doesn't unload her sled off a trailer. There's also a woman who's like, oh yeah, I was terrified the first 62 times that I did it. And you know how I got less terrified? I did it another 62 times. And by the end of that three day course, that woman's like, I kind of see a path of how I unload my own sled. Mm -hmm. Whereas before there was no path. I didn't really see it. I didn't see a need for it. But now she has these like 
physical, visual reminders. And those reminders are women and those women are doing the things and that sticks in your head. Yeah. It's like yeah, something you, you can actually see yourself being yes. there. Like, yeah. like looking at a man, you might not be like, yeah, well, he's a guy. I'll never be that good or whatever or society like... feeds to you. But yeah. seeing someone who mm-hmm. is like you, you're like, oh, huh, that mm-hmm. could be me. Well, like shit. I could do that then. I can <laughs> definitely do it. It's, it's a yeah. real thing. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question in regards to just avalanche is uh, since you both are educators and have been in the backcountry in a long time, have either of you ever been buried in an avalanche? Reaches for wood. No, <laughs> knocking no. On, I'm knocking on wooden yeah. chairs. I'm knocking. Yeah. But you've been nope. a part of rescues? No. Uh, no. I have an avalanche. I have been warriors. in an avalanche. But just not buried? No. Yeah. But it was a very, it was a very eye-opening. Um, I had just done my level two and was highly considering a path of education in the avalanche industry just because being an educator and a trainer my whole life um it just kind of seemed like i am passionate about this i want to go in this direction and i was with my mentor and just we skied a couple slopes and then the last the last pitch he's like why don't you go first you haven't gotten a fresh line and i was like okay and I was on a snowboard. I didn't do a ski cut and it was a wind slab and a gully mm-hmm. and it went and um, it freaked me out at first. I was like, whoa, I'm like on this ride right now. But then it was like reality set in, like it's an avalanche, like, okay, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in front of me was a school bus size outcropped rock. And I stopped beforehand And like, you know, everything just kind of stopped. I pulled my bag because I don't know, I'm, I, I'm going to pull it. Like, that's what I have it for. Exactly. And I look back (laughs) up and like, he was up at the crown and I, I didn't know if I wanted to laugh or cry because Mm -hmm. I was very, I was, I was embarrassed, Mm -hmm. but yet I also felt this overwhelming sense of security. Like if if this is going to happen to me, I'm with the right person for Mm -hmm. sure. And he kind of like giggled a little bit, but then like when all seriousness, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm totally fine. Like more embarrassed. My pride was hurt Mm because he was my mentor, like working with him for years. And then this happens to me and you know, we had dug several holes that day, but a hole doesn't always tell you everything. Exactly. It's and, not in the same, everything's different oh. around the hole. And then after that, I was like, okay, I need to, I'm completely going into educating. And this was, nice. I think the next year I took my pro one. Wow. Um, yeah. Duncan yeah. asked this question tonight and, you know, it was a bar full of um, snowmobilers and only a couple people raised their hand and it's, which is an amazing thing that, mm-hmm. you know, it, so many people have not, but it's again, every time we go out, just such a, 
a real risk because again you can dig as many pits as you want you can ski cut this that but you still just right below it can it can be different like yeah. you just never never know so being with the people who have the right tools and that you trust um and have the education and yeah like I said that you trust will be there and be able to help is is key and I think that those are things that we don't people who want to get into the backcountry in any sport whether even just hiking right having a base level knowledge of first aid or something it's things we don't think about oh that looks so fun and this and that and uh, there's too many people out there who don't care mm. about mm-hmm. the stuff but education and it is so so important you never know how you're going to react if the situation does happen but at least if you've taken courses and are familiar with equipment and riding with people who also know it i mean that adds that much more to it if it does actually happen so it's all it's all fun and great and these courses offer so many things of camaraderie meaning writing partners friends and bonding and all this but the key thing too is like the education part because we are putting ourselves in these situations that are very dangerous and especially yes. with machines um you know people think like oh with a snowmobile you can just ride out of an avalanche you know you have the power but we're also we have more weight on the snow now and if something goes wrong with your machine or you can get uh, toppled over or your machine on top of you there are still so many more added risks with it um that it's just yeah it's not all fun and games but we sure hope it is <laughs> yeah, well you want it to be yeah you want it you to be the to goal is it for it to be all fun and games totally. um, to have the tools that you need in case it you know shit does hit the fan but so I think it's so important that you ladies are out there teaching courses no matter who it's to women or men because we need everyone out there educated because we all share the backcountry too it's like I could be with my crew who I trust and I know that we all have the education, but there's going to be who knows how many Mm. other people out there that maybe don't have that. And they could put your group in situations. So even just having um, a care for the rest of the people in the world is why I get educated that I don't want to be putting people I don't know in harm's way either by doing something dumb. Um, Not everyone thinks that way at all, but it's just... It's one of those things you guys just sharing this information and your knowledge is so important um, beyond the fact of helping women get together and get in these <laughs> industries. I just wanted fun. to like touch on that, the the importance of it, like I said, is far beyond like the fact that you ladies are women and putting women's courses together and things like that, that it's just the education in general needs to be put out there into the world. So awesome thank you guys you know, for doing that well thanks for <laughs> yeah. at the beginning we were talking about that moment when you stop paying attention is when you get injured mm-hmm. and that's the trick is we're in an environment where that moment can be when you're in an avalanche and the consequences mm-hmm. are, are like unacceptable and nobody really understands them until they are close enough to them and then it might be too late and so yep. there's like this weird desire to keep it fun. And also that thing where like, when, when you're in that environment, you want to make sure the way you're being in that environment is such that when you have that moment of not focusing, um, if something goes wrong, it's not terribly wrong. It's just a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, is like, that's yeah. one of your, and it's been so interesting to try and figure out how to, 
reach out to women to come to um, avalanche education. And this is not a nut that anyone has cracked by any means. And I do think all of our hand waving and conversations about like, let me touch the fucking wrench. So I know yeah. <laughs> fucking snowmobile. There is something there also, I think, where it's mm -hmm. like, well, if my riding partners have education, then I am protected. Uh -huh. And I just want to call bullshit on that. Every group needs everyone's brain. And yeah. Yeah. everyone's brain is equally capable of fucking it up or not. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's where the education piece comes in is like, we're humans, we're going to mess it up. Yep. If you go into it like that, those were my close calls with avalanches is thinking that I could outsmart the avalanches. We call it an FMG. It's a fucking mountain guide. I'm a fucking mountain guide. I know about this shit. Yeah. That's when you get too close to the dragon. Yeah. And if yeah. you are um, a snowmobiler that is in the phase of like, well, I don't even know where the dragon is. Mm -hmm. Or if you are like, oh, I think I know where the dragon is and we're good. We can tickle its toes. Like, <laughs> Take your pick. Like, yeah. Both of those are situations where education addresses those very issues and is like offering you tools to talk to your, literally how to like, when to do it. Mm -hmm. When are you having the conversation? Well, certainly not when it's pinned on the trail. Right. And definitely not when everybody is gone, as Travis says, like complete squirrels. Yeah. And <laughs> And like scattered energy, scattered yeah. energy. That's not when you're, and, and I kind of say watching, um, videos of how snowmobiles are caught in avalanches is like, it's what we want to do. You right. want a side hill in the open bit and there's trees underneath you. And guess what? It doesn't take that large of an avalanche to strainer your ass and your snowmobile through those right. trees. It's a whole thing. And mm -hmm. most of the time it's fine. Um, but if you have no idea whether it's fine or not fine, you're essentially like you're out there and, or if you think it's fine, but you're just the overconfident, um, experienced user, there's also, there's a lot of learning to be done there, uh, about mm -hmm. how your humanness is, might be out to get you. I always forget this term. Maybe you ladies know, but it's, um, whatever they call that. It's a kind of that in between, you know, before you take a course, you are just, like naive ignorance is bliss almost you can go have fun doing whatever and then you get the education and now you're paralyzed like paralysis by analysis totally. um, and so now <laughs> yes. you're like oh god like i i know the dangers now i'm too scared to do anything um and so finding your way out of that stage and it's an interesting phase to go from like cool this was so fun everything was was great. I didn't have a care in the world. And now all of a sudden, you know, the dangers and now you're terrified and you're like, how do I get back out of this stage? Um, and I mean, I think that's just more education and getting out there and getting, you know, comfortable again. But I do think that everyone has to go through that, like kind of getting that fear embedded in you without mm -hmm. being in a life or death situation um, so that you can actually see it when you're out there and like yeah you see the dragon I mean, you're not tinkling the toes <laughs> like right. you know how to play with the dragon <laughs> the dragon is over there we yeah. go this way totally. you know how to keep the dragon from breathing fire like we're, we're good the dragon yeah. and i are friends we're tight but... <laughs> <laughs> just, we just hang out on opposite we're sides tight. of the valley yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you go take a nap over there and uh -huh. over here it won't bother you this but... is our arrangement yeah. yeah give me a little little warning um but and i'll get out of your way kind of thing but yeah yeah, yeah. well ladies thank you so much before we wrap up is there anything that you want to leave the audience with any kind of tip or tidbit are you teaching any courses in your area 
uh, our listeners are everywhere. So you're in Idaho. I know Margaret, <laughs> Tasha, you're in South Lake, but I know obviously Margaret, you came to South Lake to teach a course. So yeah, if you've got any, any announcements like that or anything you want to share or how people can find you, let the people know. Oof. Go ahead, Margaret. You first. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you mean like me? You yeah. me? Um, let's see. I uh, have a couple things that I'm really looking forward to. So when I get back home, um, uh, there is uh, an area level one for motorized users that are first responders that's hosted by Ketchum Fire and Sun Valley Fire Departments, which is rad. Um, awesome. And then, uh, okay, pausing. You both are totally. I heard She's you. Frozen. Yeah. She froze, but I could still hear her. And then okay. she, oh. Oh, no. Oh, she go? <laughs> oh, here she is. She's back. I'm yeah. back. Okay. All right. How uh, much did you get any of that? Just when you get back home uh, for uh, Airy One for first responders? Yeah. Airy Moto One for first responders. So, folks that are on search and rescue missions on snowmobiles, which is I'm so impressed. Um, it's like a little That's fledgling awesome. program. Yes. Um, but then um, I'm going to, Tasha, I get to teach the um, Moto Pro one that Ari's doing at Togedy at the end of January. No way. So stoked. Yes. Oh, that's so awesome. Totally psyched. Um, and then I'm going to teach an Ari one uh, with Mountain Skills down in South Fork in February. Um, with Matt. With Matt. Yes. Which is like. Ah. That's freaking so cool. amazing yeah so the second week of did February you, you did that last year right I did it last year yes and yes. it is so it is incredible I go and I'm a student for the writing skills clinic for two days yeah. and then teaching then I teach with Matt for the airy if you're anywhere near South Fork oh my god check it out because Matt has the I mean I am a hybrid I am a skier I'm like this is my fourth winter yeah and Matt Ence is like his depth of applying avalanche education to pure snowmobiling is like, I'm like in awe. Um, and it's totally awesome. Yeah. It's freaking rad. So that's what I get to do. Honestly. Amazing. Yeah, that's so, that's so awesome. So stoked. You yeah. have, you have a full, full, full palette. Yeah. <laughs> <Plate>. Yes. <laughs> I've got whiplash from January already. Oh, <laughs> <gosh. God. laughs> well, is this the next Two months, it's like full freaking throttle for me. In it, yeah. I'm I'm teaching uh, starting in January. I'm teaching a uh, two intro classes with. It's going to be in combination with Lake Tahoe Snowmobilers Club Ride Days. So oh, Saturday is yes, it's it's awesome. Saturday is like it's a co-ed. You know, whoever wants to sign up, and then that the day after on the Sunday is women only. And it's going to be um, like a skills slash where terrain awareness um, kind of get people prepared for a level one. And then the end of January, which is the same weekend you're teaching in Togedy, I have the level one, the ladies only. Sweet. Um, yeah. Yay. Yeah. And, and everything like the cool thing about this is it's all through Sierra Avalanche Center and it's all grant funded. So it is free, which is Ooh, so yes. amazing. Free. Huge. Um, and then in February, uh, we have another two intro days. One is 
anybody on a Saturday. And then the thought that day after the Sunday is ladies only. And that's the oh, right. end, end of February. And then I'm also teaching for the college. Um, I'm a instructional assistant with Lake Tahoe Community College. So I do that year round on top of the district working with the school district. Um, but I'm teaching two rescue classes and two oh, level one human powered. Oh, yeah. Wow. So it's a full plate of avalanche classes and busy. Maybe some fun. I'm I can't wait for March. March is gonna be <laughs> that's your time. That's your month. Yeah. There's my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. My thumb is like I know. Not. Mine did do it. I don't know. My gestures must be off or something, but yeah, those are some uh, busy, busy schedules. I took my first airy course at Lake Tahoe Community College. Yay! Yeah. That's right. I remember so, that. We talked yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these, all the resources that are available are for these courses are amazing. See your Avalanche Center for anyone in Tahoe, like free. That was huge. That was probably the only way or reason I was able to take the course last year. Um, because courses are not cheap. Uh, but like it's yeah. definitely worth it when it considers, you know, learning life-saving skills. But it's an amazing opportunity for anyone. I would definitely recommend signing up. I think um there might even still be room in maybe the last course Duncan said tonight that's in January, but anyone in Tahoe yeah. I'd look that up. And yeah, wherever you're at, check resources like community colleges or things like that where like I was able to get my first area 1 because I had FAFSA. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still a thing um, for those colleges and whatnot, but yeah, there's, there are resources out there. So look into things because just the education is so important. That's Yeah. And there's a lot of scholarships, yeah. like female snowmobilers are still kind of unicorns. Mm-hmm. And so live large university does every year. They do a round of scholarships for rec and pro um, and then a three, the American avalanche association has started doing some scholarships and a lot of them are for women um, whatever travel tool it is. And so that's inclusive of snowmobilers. Live Large is focused on snowmobilers. There's a, there's like a, there's kind of a wave of scholarship funding out there and it can be hard to find out about it unless you find out about it. And yeah. Yeah. Unless you're in, you in just have to yeah. dig so, and look. Live yeah, Large then. put me through my pro one and oh, cool. A3 sent me to ISSW. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will link those, uh, all of this in the show notes for, for everyone too. Um, so once you get involved in some of these, you can start, you know, it opens the rabbit hole to find more for hopefully wherever you're at. And then, uh, these ladies, you know, have so many resources too. So always feel free people out there to reach out and, uh, we can hopefully find some resources where, where you're at, wherever you are, and in the backcountry, snowmobiling or human powered or whatever. Uh, lots of lots of snow resources here. So awesome. oh yeah. Thank you, ladies, so much. Um, I can't wait to talk to you guys again because this can yeah. just go on and on and on. <laughs> but I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful month or two months, three months, whatever, of educating. And again, thank you, ladies, so much. We'll, we'll talk to you later, world. Woohoo! Thanks, Margaret. Taryn. It was so good seeing you. You too, Tasha. You too, Taryn. Oh my gosh, we need to see each other with like as we put our snowmobile helmets. Yes, on. absolutely. Hopefully, it turns on here. Well, we should arrange day. that. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just send us a link, get it on the calendar. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about that. I'm sending my friends calendar invites. I live by email and Google Calendar. So awesome. I'll put that on there. <laughs> it it on says the here in March, I'm going to ride in town. It'll, yeah. <laughs> it'll happen. Cool. It'll happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I got a bunch of ideas already brewing. So you Yay. guys stay tuned. <laughs> okay, rad. All okay, right. Rad. Have a wonderful evening, ladies. Thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Thank you both so much. Great seeing you again. You too. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments um we'll definitely engage back with you and on social media right now we're just on instagram tearing it up podcast is the handle like the post share the post comment on the post whatever it is you got um show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all so again rate and review please and we'll see you next time thanks